Peace and blessings, good people, and welcome to Fathership, a podcast on fatherhood in 20 today. I am your host, Fleming. And I'm Ms. Vaughn. And today we have a guest here with us, uh, Brother Daryl Anderson Sr., who is the Executive Director of 580 Sigma Fraternity Incorporated. Welcome, sir. Hi. <laughs> and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Daryl. So, um... So today's episode, we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to touch on kind of anger management, right? Um, Strictly from a standpoint of, I know, like, uh, I think back to a conversation, um, or at least a story that I I heard growing up, right, was my father making a statement as my parents were going through a divorce, right, and my father making a statement to my mother, and it was a statement that caused him getting joint custody, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and then years later, when we had it, when we sat down in conversation, this is as I was uh, literally toward the end of me going through my own custody battle, sure. you know, with Christopher, um, and him expressing to to me how proud he was of me and the fact of just sticking it out, mm-hmm. you know, and not letting my anger get the best of me in that situation, you know, to where it would have jeopardized that. Although there were definitely points where it is that I obviously wanted to, right? Um, but it just did, you know, because the the bigger picture for me was um, obviously in, in dealing with the court system. You know, you have to conduct yourself, you know, a certain way, especially as a as as, as a black man in in the society. So, um, given your uh, educational background, mm. right? Um, so we want to talk about experiential class. Hold on, but wait, we're not going to do experiential. Right, we don't absolutely get that though. Like. You kind of just talked, you didn't say like what his educational background, ah. or what his background is. Well, I was going to let him order. speak to that. That's, okay. I was, okay. you know, I was leading I just, to, I don't know, because you were just talking. Well, you went I on the tangent. I didn't go on no tangent. I was leading up to that. Thank you. Okay, that was yeah. a long lead up. Jump, jump, jump in. But anyway, mm-hmm. year ago. <laughs> <laughs> but again, I want to thank you for the opportunity. Um, it's always incredible when you put in positions to have a conversation because right. that's generally what doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. There are not enough conversations. There are a whole lot of opinions. Right. Opinions tend to be monologues. Yeah. But conversations are back and forth. Neither person has to be right. Right. But you have to share. And sure. so this is an opportunity to share. And I, I recognize that there will be limits, and I appreciate you all setting those numbers. So that's fine. <laughs> so again, my name is Daryl Anderson. Daryl Anderson. Uh, just a brief history of Daryl Anderson. Born in Detroit, raised in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, product of public schools. And uh, had an opportunity to be a scholarship recipient at the University of Memphis. Uh, so I was ROTC, so I've been military. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Undergrad major was microbiology. That was because a couple of parties washed me out of the pre-med program. But that was not my journey. Um, Went to the Air Force, had an opportunity to come back, go to grad school. So I got an MBA in marketing, and that was great. And so 
I became a healthcare administrator, which is what happens when you can't become a doctor. You become an administrator. It works out real well. And um, proud to say that at uh, one point I had my own hospital. I was the only black CEO in the country of 100 hospitals. I'm not, I'm not a, a company of 100 hospitals, and that was just a blessing. And I had an opportunity to work with those who didn't have a lot because I had a hospital that only accepted uh, Medicaid. We did not take commercial insurance. So everyone that we had was uh, of compromised financial backgrounds. And uh, I work with the theory that whatever people had when they had money, those who didn't have it should be able to taste it also, especially when your health is compromised. So mm -hmm. that worked well. And um, did that for a while. I've worked with foster care, which kind of leads into what we're talking about. Um, but I stayed in behavioral health and substance abuse, which was a concentration of those hospitals that I was in. I stayed in there for over 20 years. Okay. And I also had an opportunity, I've taught, University of Phoenix taught there for 10 years. And I also, on a part-time basis, used to work with a community re-engagement program for those who had felony convictions and had been in federal prison. All of that tied together, apparently, and then I became exec, exec director of 587. <laughs> Everybody who was compromised, who was a brother, we had a chance line. to work that out. And so I've been doing that off and on for eight years. So, yeah. Hmm. So now I'm here. So, mm -hmm. it is um, a post that I saw. Um, it said um, that I really want to get your opinion on. Sure. Um, because of your background mm -hmm. and kind of the different dynamic of people that you work with. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you work with a lot of men and fathers and, you know, that whole struggle. So it says, um, so it was a post, it was on Instagram today. It says, some of y'all need to heal the broken child in you so the healthy adult can grow. Really? I want to get your thoughts on that. There's always assumptions and statements like that. Uh, one, you have to identify that there's a broken child. Two, you have to have a willingness to heal. And not everyone is willing to heal. So sometimes you don't need to go back where you've been. There's mm -hmm. a reason why you sure. left. But why you don't need to go back, do you not agree that like sometimes you need to at least address? I, I do believe now this goes back to the topic of the night from what I was told the topic of the night is. But I do know things shift gears, so by the time we get through, the Lord knows what we're talking about. But let's just go with what I was told we were talking about. All of this is problem identification. I mean, uh, until there, you can't say you're going to fix anything until you understand what exactly is supposed to be wrong. And that person who has to identify it is the person who's experiencing it mm -hmm. because others can't really fix you. They can encourage you, but you have to have that willingness to be fixed. And in order for you to have the willingness to be fixed, you have to identify something that you think is broken. So that part I agree with on the statement. Mm -hmm. Now, saying that people are going to move in that direction is a whole different story. Yeah. But, that, but why that do you think true. that? But why do you think that's, that's such pain. a problem? That's hard. Especially for men. It is, uh, men, by the very dynamic of their upbringing, have always been taught to create that wall because we can't be hurt. That's not our job to be hurt. Our, our job is to provide for others who may be feeling pain, 
to be a um, leaning post for those um, and really to absorb that. And when we do the absorption part, there's no release. I was just going to say, I'm like, okay, so if you're supposed to do all this absorbing, like, at what point are you, what point do you release? Like, you, you can't, When you, you get mad, that's when you release, and that's unfortunate, but that's what happens. We're getting better. Okay. I've seen it, um, and that was part of what I've done in in my ministry, but, Yeah. We've we've seen it happen, but you you do have to recognize that there's a problem, and the problem in that in the reconciliation of all that is that no one tells you that when you when you when you're absorbing the hurt and pain of others, and you're being that that staff that holds them together, no one tells you that it's going to slowly but surely chip yeah, at yeah. you, <laughs> and so since you can't identify that, you don't have a problem. Why would you have a problem? Because if you had a problem, then you can't help others. So if you were created to help others, you can't accept the fact that you have problems of your own. It's not a shared process when you're doing that. So it takes a while. It takes a lot of uh, engagement. It takes a lot of uh, reconciliation within yourself because you have to understand what you were created to do. And until you get to that point, it's all a waste, waste of time. That's what we do. Hmm. I so have, like, it's just some, I mean, I get, I totally get what you're saying. Mm -hmm. But. Well, I didn't say it was right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't hear like, me say it was right. You heard me say that's what it is. I'm like, it's right. like, that's, that's not logical to me. Because at the end of the day, again, I, I get it. I get why, you know, um, I'll take my dad for example. Mm -hmm. Like my dad has been very active, very just a forefront in my life. But I understood like my formative years in the beginning, my dad definitely, um, he had an anger issue. Like it was, it, and it would be anything that would necessarily trigger him. And so while he was a great provider, it was just like, sometimes it was, you didn't know kind of what you were walking into. And then it was, what I like to say, it was just an incident that made him realize that he was human. Mm -hmm. Because I sometimes I think like, for men, it's just like, oh, I'm a provider, I do this, I do that, and you know, I defy logic, you know, I'm human, but I'm not human. But you know, he had a dose of reality that literally made him human. And at that point, that's when he changed. Because at that point, that's when he did, you know, it was definitely like, you know, it was a mental health, going to see a therapist, just doing a, a, to me, it's really being realistic about who he was. Because for a long time, I know I felt like he's not realistic. Like, you know, with the expectation and even like who he, you know, was presenting himself to be, it was just like, that's, that's not you. All right. So it's according to where, you know, perspective is everything. But the Bible is very clear. We were not to understand the step we were taking because we did not create ourselves, nor did we create the steps. So when the ordination occurs, you're on that journey for a reason. 
your father is your father because of the journey he took. Mm -hmm. And the things that you appreciate about him was because of those same steps. Mm -hmm. What made him become what he is, is what he was supposed to go through. I mean, that's just how that works. And um, the outcome is always better. I don't care what. I don't care what. How many, I don't care how you how you do your products. I don't care how you stir it. You're never in that for what you're putting in. You're always there for what it's comes out, out. Right. and that's what makes you happy. So um, I applaud him because what I heard you say, and I may have misunderstood it, was that he recognized that there was an issue, and that's that's problem resolution, identifying yeah. that there is something wrong. But you'll never fix anything until you've identified that it's wrong. But we don't know why he was there. We don't know what got him there. We don't know what caused it. Mm -hmm. All we know was he was better coming out Very much than he was going in. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that, 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 you know, to the point of what you're saying as far as it, you know, it's always the darkest before the light. Right. We can use that one. You know, I, mean, I like the storm. It, oh, the storm. Right. Oh, right. You're going in the storm. You're in a storm, or you're coming out. Right. You're gonna right. get wet no matter what happens. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you figure they say that you're in three phases. You're in one of three right. phases at right. all points. You know, but I, I think that um, so for for you as a as a with knowing that right, and mm. that, and as a father, mm. what's been your most challenging moment? As a father. Yeah. So, I'm not just a father. I'm right. A, I'm a father from a divorce process. True. And so that's where the challenge comes in. Think about what I said. It may mm -hmm. not be true, but I said it. It right. works for me. <laughs> we're, we, we're taught to be a provider. Mm -hmm. We're taught to create foundation for others so that they can be comfortable. And that's, that's admirable. Um, but when you're finding that the foundation that you created is not going to be one which you will be standing very long and you're having to leave behind part of that ecosystem mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that you created for, uh, that's going to be hard. People don't think that. People like to. I don't know why people think this, that men like to walk out on their children. That's the most. Okay, so, uh, if, that is, if, so if that's not true, though, then why is it? Why do they choose to walk out? You choose to walk out because sometimes it's better for you to leave because you know what would happen if you stay. Too many people stay in circumstances far too long, and that's why we have incidences where people truly get hurt. Right now, we're talking about an emotional hurt. Right. But there's such a thing as physical pain. Mm -hmm. And in today's society, if you inflict physical pain on anyone, you will be spending part of your life incarcerated, you'll lose part of your rights, certainly lose a lot of your income, mm -hmm. and you may never see those same children again. So sometimes you have to evaluate the situation. You, you talk about men with anger issues. The, as I said, the first thing that has to happen is identifying that there is a problem. Now, once you've identified that there is a problem, you have to look at what options you have to work toward problem resolution, and sometimes stand where you are is not the answer because it's only going to be a bigger problem. Okay. Got that. So, I understand coming out of a situation. Mm -hmm. But what I don't understand is when you walk out on the child. Like, when 
it is it, because it's all of a sudden it becomes one whole package and it's not like i can understand going out of the situation of the relationship i can get that but it's another thing to walk out on the child to say okay all together i'm done with the whole thing it's just that that's my problem i get the anger and understanding that you know i need to be away from this we are not good together this ain't the situation but at the end of the day it's a baby and that that's kind of my part it's just like how is that so easy to walk away you said it was easy but it's, it's not, not right, though. Well, because well, something is definitely right. It's definitely right. You know, I, I, think, it's, I think you have internal rights, right? But I think also the fact that, like, you know, again, we have to take this into consideration. Realize that, again, like I said, They're not getting out of it what is it they expect to get out of it. I'm going to use every possible means at my disposal, i.e. even your child, as a weapon against you. And the reality is that your child may be at an age to where they, they can't speak for themselves. So really, literally, it's just you versus her. Mm-hmm. Or her versus him, let's call it what it is, in that situation. And unfortunately, if you decide to take the core route for most black men especially, right, it's better for me to just walk away because I don't feel like I have a fighting chance to get to the end of the game. So let me just, so, 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 you know, and, that, and, that, and that's not to say that's the situation for everyone, but I guarantee you that it is the thought process of how we mean, because even for, for myself, my lawyer told, told me when I got, 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 when I had to go for um, child support, I called my lawyer and I said, hey, I need you to come with me, right? And she said, why? She said, you just, just like child support. I said, great, I understand it. I said, but I need for them, i.e. the court system, to understand that this is not something that I'm taking lightly. And you're not going to want to sit here and railroad me in the process. I literally walked into child support services literally with no, no weekend. No. Because I kept my lawyer with me when I walked out of it, I at least walked out with paying what it was that I was going to have to pay, but I at least walked out with having now every other week. Do you see how that evolved in what he just said? Mm-hmm. Because okay. you see where we started. Right. We were talking about conflict resolution and home maintenance. But sometimes that's simply not going to work. Right. And because it doesn't work sometimes, there has to be a plan so that he can maintain enough of himself 
to be pertinent, relevant, and supportive of the children. We've created now, in America, <laughs> we've created a dynamic that says you have to be in the home to properly raise the children. And we've pushed that narrative. And I think that's so wrong. Pushing the narrative is wrong because it means any other option is not good. Right. And it's that's a, simply it's, it's not like true. Right. So we, we create circumstances. Here's the thing. You can't and shouldn't force people to stay in circumstances that are not healthy. And while we would love to believe that number wife number one, or wife number two. Lord <laughs> <laughs> oh, <and> have mercy. <laughs> whatever chick you had in the midst of all of this. All right. Oh, but that's like sitting down at dinner saying everything in that plate is going to work for you. You said yourself that sometimes you can eat shell food, shellfish, and sometimes you can't. And you don't know when you can mm -hmm. and when you can't. In relationships, you start out with the healthiest of attitudes. Mm -hmm thinking everything is going to be a certain way, and that's where things go wrong. Going in with the assumption, with this preconceived notion of how this is going to work. Man, woman, equals child, equals another child and a half, equals a unified home, equals staying together for 30, 40, 50 years, and moving into the sunset. That is so rare. <laughs> What is more achievable is support factors, mm -hmm. wraparound mm -hmm. services within the home for mm -hmm. people who are attached to one another uh, and opportunities to be a part of someone's life. Whether you're there seven days a week, 24 hours a day, whether you're there seven days a month, how many days a week? <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> Whatever. As long as I'm doing what I think I need to do, to, to, to help my children. That's a little bit more important. Um, what doesn't work well is when it's not clearly identified to kids that that's an option because when they're only getting the narrative that says the father walked out on you and that equals the father not caring for you and that equals the father not contributing to the home. All of those are lies being put into children who don't know how to discern the truth at that point and so you're raising another child who's gonna end up in that kind of cycle. And so that can be somewhat challenging. What can happen is relationships can be established. Um, there can be harmony in those relationships as long as there's a better understanding that maybe you're not wired right for that relationship or maybe you're not constructed for that relationship. But that's not an absolute. You can still have a relationship. Sometimes friendships are better than anything. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes we need to establish friendships before we establish anything else. Mm -hmm. When that doesn't happen, it doesn't mean it's an absolute. You made the mistake. You didn't have the friendship. It doesn't mean that you can't go back and be friends and have a joint process. Now you get into control issues, which is a whole nother, whole nother, <laughs> topic. <laughs> whole nother topic. But in terms of managing anger, mm -hmm understanding that 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 you wanted because we can tend to forget that the person who leave had desires as well or the woman had desires as well and that can't work now because the scenario no longer presents that picture mm -hmm. 
But it doesn't change the fact that that person has something that he or she wanted. It doesn't change the fact that that doesn't make them angry. And how they go about uh, allowing that anger to manifest itself and be resolved is the topic of the night from what I understand. You, you got to look at it and say, okay, I'm mad. Yeah. Ooh, I'm so mad. And I got to leave because if I continue to show my anger in this way, I'm going to probably get arrested, which is going to make me even more mad. Right. And then I'm going to end up spending time in jail, which is going to be more mad. Add on to the anger, right? Probably going to lose my job. Now the anger is just really building. Right. Don't have anywhere to stay when I get out of this jail. Now right. I'm really mad. And the very thing I want to do in the beginning, which was to provide support for my children, I can't do because of what she said. And I allowed that to make me say something else when I should have kept my mouth closed. Okay. I give you that. So it's okay to walk away or step away to allow yourself to... Figure it out. Figure it out. But you can figure it out with that person. That's the killing part. I I think, (laughs) and I think that's the biggest problem is that a lot of times it is just, oh, I'm going to figure this out on my own. At the end of the day, as far as a child, it's a mother and a father. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, like, um, I tell, like, uh, my fr- a friend of mine who was definitely going through a custody with her child's father and everything with her was, I stop. Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, I stop. And she was like, well, Siobhan, you're not, you're not doing this because I feel, stop. And she was like, well, why do you keep telling me to stop? Because you keep saying I. Mm-hmm. I w- she was like, well, I'm the mother. Okay, and that's the father. Congratulations, you guys created a baby. Right. That At that point when you decided to, well, when God blessed y'all with this life and it breathed its first breath, at that point, it, it stopped becoming about I. Mm-hmm. And I think like in order to actually bridge, like at some point, the two people, the two adults in the room have to understand that the child is first. But it goes back to what you were saying, Brother Anderson, as far as you have to, at that point also, sometimes to be, you know, in order to be able to come back to that table, you have to be adult enough to let go of that preconceived notion that you had of what it was that you thought this was going to be, and hence that that anger and deal with all of that. So before you start evidencing the anger that I see in your face... <laughs> Um, let me share this with you Uh, and everything that you said is right all of that is correct but perception is always going to be the key when you said you have to do what's right for the child who's defining what's right for the child because you have two people who can't even look at each other without spitting nails so no matter what comes up it could be what conceptually would be right for the child, but because you're at odds, that's never gonna happen. And so, uh, unfortunately, um, instead of there being a reconciliation and a collaboration on a plan that works for the child, what you have in circumstances where the child becomes part of a chess game and most people don't want to get involved with that. Uh, I, most men that I know, and Lord knows I know a lot of them, <laughs> would rather take that time and make that fruitful with the child 
away from this circumstance because that we can't get away from what the original intent was to create something for the child that's going to benefit that child. Right. Putting a child in a circumstance where nails are being spit, and I'm being nice about that, mm-hmm. that's yeah, not, there's that. nothing good about that. Mm-hmm. Saying that the best option is to keep people in the home who don't get along. That's the worst option. That's, that's, the that's worst bad. Thing. That's the worst Now, thing. having a narrative that says someone else is going to control how often you see that child, control how much money you have to give, you that's their word again, control. which is a whole other yeah. topic. Yeah. Yeah. That control thing becomes an issue. And when men find that others are trying to control them, the result is generally anger, because that's not what we were wired to do. Go back to the beginning. We were wired to provide, not have someone take from us and give, and then tell us what we can do and can't do. Let me tell you something. <laughs> when, I, uh, when I figured out that, that home life probably wasn't the best for me, I said, okay, I'm gonna have to leave because sounds like I'm going to get arrested and I don't want my children to see me go to jail. Right. Now, other choices come into play. Mm-hmm. What happens with the home? I gave the home to them and everything in it. Why? Because I wanted my child to have that foundation. See, a lot of people go into the emotional process of it and say, well, that child lost your spirit. No! Because I put that spirit into the child when I conceived the child. What that child has is a stable environment <laughs> to live in and a goodly portion of my check to help what cover that. <laughs> to help cover that. I don't think I've ever heard of you that way. <laughs> a goodly portion. <laughs> to help okay. cover that. What that child also had was someone telling them that I was not providing. So we talked about the anger. So that's where the anger goes in. Mm-hmm. I'm still trying to do what I was constructed to do, which is to provide, but the narrative has changed, and even though that money is coming out on a regular basis, the child is being told that I'm not doing that. So I'm being deconstructed when I was constructed to be a certain way. So we can't change it, we can't control it. Um, so how did you deal with it? Oh, it was easy for me. I just shut down. I just shut it down. I mean, here's the deal. I was blessed to uh, have a lot of powerful people in my life. Now, the majority of them were women, and they were interesting. Love them all. Love my mom, love my grandma, aunts. But it didn't take me long to recognize that there are other dynamics that need to be in play. So when I knew that I wasn't going to be in the home, it didn't change the fact that I wanted what was best for my kids. Mm -hmm. It was never about me. If it was about me, I would have stayed. It was never about me, because how, how, when I said I would have stayed, I would have gotten arrested. I would have ended up in jail. <laughs> okay, so tell me I was about to ask you, so wait a minute, clarify that. Okay. I would have gotten in jail. I would have been arrested. Why would I want to be in jail? I can't produce money then right. to take care of these children. And so now I'm so on TV. My staying. face is on the screen. <laughs> I mean, that's a very interesting way to put it, because... You usually look at it where it's just like, oh, no, you have to stay. Stay in, you know, it shows. But from what you're saying, if I'm getting this correct, is that me choosing to leave better 
suits me staying. It, yes, yeah. unfortunately, it does because I can still do what I was constructed to do, which is to provide for them. I'm taking the sacrifice. Every man in America knows what happens when you get into child support. They know that. Mm-hmm. So they know the sacrifice is being made. You'll never have a stable relationship because you can't even take the next woman out where you want her to go. Like, not unless she likes McDonald's. I mean, she may like that. <laughs> she just wants you for your heart. But that's not the issue. The issue is, will the child be dressed? Will the child be fed? Will the child be bathed? Will the child get a chance to go to school? And you make all of those sacrifices because that's still what they are, sacrifices. Mm-hmm. Distant sacrifices, but they're sacrifices. You can see that. That's not what makes you angry. What makes you angry is you're still contributing but people have taken that right to see your children mm-hmm. in a way, in a time, and in a format that you think is appropriate. You weren't constructed to do what they're talking about doing. You were constructed to provide for the children and watch their upbringing, watch their outcome. And that's all you really want to do. Um, and sometimes that doesn't work for you. So that's where the anger comes in. That's the other part. You're mad because of what happened, but you're also mad because you can't do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And guess what? You can't have it both ways. You could have probably done what you wanted to do if you stayed, but you were going to end up in jail. So if you come over here, you you now you're giving them what they need to have. They're getting more of your money than you are because we're not going to lie about child support. They're getting more of it than... Between child support and taxes, I mean, there's very little there. Mm-hmm. Right. You're okay with making that sacrifice, but they're still taking something from you. The very thing you contribute to, you can't see. So you're still angry. You're angry at yourself because the relationship failed. You're angry at yourself because you can't see your children. You're angry at yourself because the check you're working for is not really your check. So many different hands go into it. You're just mad. And that's a control issue, which is another topic for another day. But the one thing that does happen is if you're patient and stay prayerful and faithful, uh, all the things that we're taking from you will be given back. A hundredfold. Did that happen to you? Of course. Okay. My son, God bless him, is married, has a child. He's in a doctoral program. He's already chosen his dissertation topic. He'll finish before me. My daughter is a charge nurse in a hospital. She's married and she has a child. I wanted them to have foundation. They have foundation. I wanted them to see that in spite of circumstances, you can achieve a lot of things. And it's generational. Mm-hmm. What I was really clear about was always that they should have, not what I had, they should have more than I had. Why Why just get to my level and stop? That's insane. Right. I sacrificed so that you could have more life and enjoy it abundantly. I'm okay with a loss, because I still got two, I got two W's over there. Mm-hmm. And in anybody's mouth, two W's, it's better than one L. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The way baseball works. And plus, you got grandchildren, too. Well, we're not even going to talk about that. Because that's more money. That's more money. And then you're watching. That's funny to me. Because I told both of them, I said, now, everything that you did to me, you're getting ready to get it back. That's why I say you get it back 100 fold. You get it back 100 fold. So, all those things you couldn't control, <laughs> you're watching it. You see these children. And you see how they're aggravating their parents. And you don't do anything but laugh because that's what you did to me. And I provided a foundation. Now, guess what you're going to have to do? Provide the same foundation for them.
I'm gonna make this a kid thing sound easy at all. Mm -mm. It's not. It's not. You know what? It's funny what you said earlier. I think um, I think back to um, co-parenting class. I think everybody, because as they say, right, like if we took all of our problems and put it into one pile, like you see what everybody else is going through, you'd be quick to grab yeah, you'd back, be like, mine right? is good, yeah. And I can honestly say that going to co-parenting class, it was mandatory, you know, it was part of the, the process. Um, but just sitting in a room, listening to other people and some of the things that they were doing or the things that they would get mad Life about. Life is not that bad. And I'm like, I'm sitting there like... <laughs> I don't have any of this. <laughs> right. I'm not going through this. Like, I mean, you literally have people that, like, you know, they're making the choice to send back dirty clothes. Like, what? Like, like, really? Like, you know, you get mad because, like, well, I sent it. I sent it in a backpack, and it came back in a in a, in a shopping bag. That's control of this shit. Exactly. You know. And so from that, it's like you know, it's a it's a very stark in your face. Like, okay, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be anything like that, you know. So, like you said, said you know, you make this sacrifice. You know, you sit there, and you make a, you make a conscious choice to say, okay, hey, I'm not gonna be that, you know. Don't want my son to see any of that, you know. You know, like, and so that that is that is. So we're gonna be it. fair to you. Now, I, the picture that he and I were painting. Um, it's not a rose garden. Mm -hmm. um, it's more of a, a carnation garden. Okay. But there are some brothers who are pretty foul when it comes to these circumstances. Oh, absolutely. So we're not, I'm not, I don't know what Chris is doing. I'm not saying that everyone. Fleming ain't. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm not saying that everyone um, is handling this in the correct way. Right. There are a lot of brothers who don't. I'm just saying that there, are, for this particular topic, this particular night, there's a reason why certain things go a certain way. Mm -hmm. And so, um, if you if you look back at what people have gone through, you can better understand how they ended up the way that they did. Mm -hmm. Not to give them a pass. But I understand. I understand. <laughs> Here's one of the things I loved. I'm an ordained minister. At the Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. Shout out to Oak Grove Missionary Baptist Church. Highway, Highway 64. <laughs> um, hello, Pastor Johnson. How you doing? <laughs> so, uh, one, I was uh, the director of the men's ministry for a number of years. And so this is more experiential than theoretical. What I discovered is if you create an opportunity and a dynamic where men can just simply talk, and kind of let out what's going on amongst other men, mm -hmm. you'd be surprised at how much they will release, and you'll be surprised at the behavioral change just because they had an opportunity to share the information. Sharing is critical, but most men just don't know how to do that because most men equate sharing to a form of weakness mm -hmm. because it's like, going back to the original story, it's what we providing, providing a foundation and if I show that I'm emotional in the process, mm -hmm. then that, in their mind, that foundation is not as strong as it should be. Totally illogical, but that's how we work. So when you create a dynamic that allows men to see that others can be emotional mm -hmm. and be just as strong walking out mm -hmm. as they were coming in, it, it, 
It's a beautiful sight. I, and to your point, I can definitely say that because I know when my father was definitely um, working on his anger issues, I, um, he joined a cell group meeting. It was through our church. And to say that they still, I, I, I believe they still meet monthly. And, you know, it used to be very big and then it went small and then it went big again. But to say that that group, I know for a fact that that group helped my dad mm -hmm. because he was very, he was very hard going into that. Mm -hmm. But after a couple of meetings and things like that, it is to say, I literally saw a softer side come mm -hmm. out of that. Mm -hmm. So to say, I've never understood what it was because we, you know, we didn't stay. Um, it was always, you know, okay, y'all leave the house, you go to the mall, do whatever. Like, I did like sale group meetings because I understood, like, I got my dad's card, mm -hmm. we can go to the mall and we can kick it, like, <laughs> for a couple of hours. Because, but in understanding, now that I'm older, I understand, like, that was his outlet. Mm -hmm. Like, he didn't have any outlet. Before. He didn't take advantage of the outlets that he had. Okay, that could be okay. Well, because he felt that that would create a dynamic where he would show a bit of weakness, and that was not his desire. We don't know what he saw in his upbringing. We don't know what picture was painted for him. We do know that he was struggling. I've never met him. Mm -hmm. I'm just listening to what you're telling mm -hmm. me right now, and the struggle is real. Uh, shout out to Pastor Matthew Watley at Kingdom Fellowship Church because if you have the right people around you who tell the story mm -hmm. which is critically important and you can sit there and listen to the story being told and you can see yourself mm -hmm. in parts of the story that's helpful to you but you have to be willing to accept it you do have to be willing to, be, to, to accept it and so your father found a venue that allowed other stories to be told and he could see himself in those narratives and it creates a healing process within him. Would I say he ever recognized he was angry? Probably not. <laughs> Would I say he probably recognized something was not quite right? That did happen and the children benefited from that. And Siobhan, let me say this to you. I don't want you to get angry. Because you got a lot of things running, and I need to get home. <laughs> home. But children are always children. I don't care how old you get to be. My daughter is, she'll be 34 on Saturday. Saturday. And she's still my child. My son will be 29 in three weeks. That's still my child. Now, in the world's vision, they're grown people. But I'm always providing for them because my goal never changes to provide that foundation for them. I'm continuing to put seeds into them and let they grow. So whatever opportunity your father has to contribute to your foundation, I'm sure that's still his desire. I'm sure it is. Um, it's funny because I joke with him. Right, it really is. <laughs> like, 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 seriously, my, my dad would say the, the exact same thing. He'd be like, son, I'll tell you now. I'll be such and such age, you'll be blah, blah, blah. You'll still be my baby. Mm -
That's it. That that is definitely, and and that that is. I mean, and I've even for myself, man. You know, I say it to the kid on it. You know, like I, you know, it's just what it is. You know? So. Hmm. So be, still be, a yeah, right. I'm, I'm not, be a baby. Yeah, I'm not. Be a baby. Right, because right, you still call on that. Like, let's, 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 let's be real. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, still- to say, I can't honestly say that because I know when I moved here, um, it was, I'll never forget, I was um, doing something. And when I um, decided to make the decision to move here, my dad's first thing was like, okay, so where are we going? Right. And I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, you know, are you sure you want to take? He was like, who else going to take you? <laughs> You think somebody else going to take my baby out of this state? He was like, no. You tell me when we need to be there, and I'll I'll handle everything else. And he literally did. Like, it was very much, um, that was, I mean, that was definitely, like, kind of like our rights of passage. I will never forget when he got on the plane. Like, I know when my, you know, I left my sister and my mother and my nephew, I was just you know, he was like, don't, okay. you okay? It's okay. And I was just like, you know, it's okay. I'm fine. I'm cool. I'm good. So my dad was here a couple of days and, you know, we did stuff. We did sightseeing. Put my stuff in storage. And did all this other stuff. And then it was just like, we had to take him to the airport. And I was just like, like the morning of, I was just like, oh gosh. Like, I'm like, daddy. I was like, wait, daddy. Um, I don't, I don't think I want to stay. Let's go home. And he was like, no, you're gonna do this. He was like, you did this for a purpose. He was like, I'm here. He was like, you know, I'm phone call away, but you're gonna stay here and you're gonna stick it out. And I was just like, I don't want to no more. Like, no, I wanna, I wanna go, I wanna go home. But you were at home. No, right. no, no, I wasn't. I wanted to go home with my dad. Like, but you were at home. No, 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 I wasn't at home. See? No, <laughs> I wanted to go because I know, like, when we took him, like, I remember getting to the airport and I was just like, and he got out the car and I was just like. You can't leave me. He didn't. Like, but at that moment, like, I, I, and it wasn't until that point, it was just I realized, like, how much my dad was involved in my life and how much I depended on him and just everything about him. Because, babe, when I tell you, I cried. I, everybody in the car was crying. My daddy was even sharing to I cried so hard. I was like, you can't leave me. God, no. And I'm like literally in front of the airport and people are just sitting up here looking like, what is wrong with this girl? He was like, you got this. And I'm like, daddy, I'm, I'm just, I'm a little bit, it, listen, it was traumatic, okay? Little sensitive. <laughs> but look at what you just said. You allowed him, again, what he constructed. The foundation he was trying, God bless him, to apply. You allowed, see, the Bible's clear. Okay. <laughs> when he knocks at the door, you have to be willing to open the door so he can come in. Jesus is not going anywhere he's not invited. So you have a father that you can't see, as opposed to the one you're serving that you've never seen. We'll work on that another day. Um, and it may have taken you longer than you realize. But you allowed him to do what he was created to do. He provided a substance and foundation for you so that you can move on and do the things you want to do in life. Whether it happened the way you thought it should, whether you happened the way that you had heard it would happen, had mm-hmm. been written and all that, none of that makes sense because you have a relationship with him mm-hmm. and him only. So that's that's where that goes. That's how that goes. God bless your mother. I'm sure she's a wonderful woman. Mm-hmm. She can't be your father. Mm-hmm. So... 
to, and when you're talking about anger management, <clears throat> you have to really look and see why you were angry. And like, what's, what's the root of it? Because it's. No, okay, we'll let that one go. But you, no, have, no, to, no, you, have, to, you have to see why. See, when you look around, you had everything you needed, you had everything you wanted. What's the purpose in being angry? And a lot of times that's other people feeding into stuff because they know that they can trigger that anger. Mm-hmm. And then we get mad at ourselves when we realize we've been played. Mm-hmm. You had two parents. Mm-hmm. You got that narrative that the two parents had to be in the home to support you, but you found out that was not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we like to feel like we've lost a lot. That's us putting our own limits on ourselves. And the relationship that is established after that occurs, maybe that's the time that that relationship was supposed to kick in. And maybe that's what helps you be the person that you are. And maybe you're giving him an opportunity to work through problem resolution 101, (laughs) which is to identify that there is an issue and it needs to be worked on. And then look at the options that you have to resolve the issue. And you know what? With Problem Resolution 101, Anger Management, it tells you to make several different choices on how this is going to be resolved. Because once you apply one, if that doesn't work, you can't stop. Number two, mm-hmm. number three, whatever. <clears throat> Keep working on it because that's still there. These options are here to help that not be the problem. Mm-hmm. And even after you think you've solved it, Problem Resolution 101 says you have to go back and analyze the outcome to make sure that it's doing the things that you want it to do. All he wanted was a relationship with you. He may not have cared about your mom, I'm sorry. <laughs> he wanted a relationship with you. They still together. Mm. So <laughs> he cared about you, and uh, that's good. That's all we want. That's all we want. I love my children and grandchildren. Last question. Oh, good. <laughs> Before she hits me, I feel threatened. <laughs> At this particular point, given given what we've been talking about, have either of your children sought advice from you pertaining to conflict resolution? You know, what I'm saying not only just in their life, but of course now, now you said they're both parents now. Mm-hmm. You know, my daughter talks about it on her job. She's in nursing. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a whole nother story. And I, I'd be glad when you all handle that about how you create trails and those, see that's that creating the, the crumbs mm-hmm. the trail. Mm-hmm. And people think they're not trailing you, but they're picking up those crumbs. And the only way they can go is the way the crumbs are leading. So my daughter, uh, when she has workplace issues mm-hmm. in healthcare, uh, she'll ask me questions. Okay. She doesn't ask me a lot of family questions, mm-hmm. and I understand why. But I was constructed to provide a foundation across the board, and if I can help her professionally, so. that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Okay. My son is crazy. <laughs> and so... Um, he's he, he, a lot different. No, he's a lot different. <laughs> Shout out to 5 Sigma Fraternity Incorporated, because he's a member of that also. Um, 
but he asks questions quite frequently. But see, that's me creating a dynamic that allows them to do that. Right. And that's where a lot of men fall short. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're, you're constructed to provide foundation. You had to be clear, you had to be careful about how you're defining what that foundation's gonna be. Because where we get off track is thinking everything is material mm-hmm. and everything mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. Um, tangible. Mm-hmm. All things that are needed in the foundation are ne- not necessarily touchable. And a lot of times the children just don't know how to say it, but sometimes just a hug mm-hmm. right. and a kiss will suffice. And how many times is your presence? Hmm? Oh, your presence. I know for me, mm. it was very much of, I just want to be around you. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care. Yeah, we what do get a little busy about trying to find the next check. And we forget that sometimes the children don't need that check. They need a cheek. Mm-hmm. And so um, that could be a problem for us. We don't do well with stuff like that. That's the quotable moment. They don't need a check. They need a cheek. <laughs> Write it down. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. It's fine, though. It really is. Yeah. So what would be your... Your final piece of advice for our listeners. My final piece of advice is, please don't let people construct your story. You don't mm-hmm. understand what's going, you, you know, uh, my story is Daryl Anthony Anderson's story. That's my story. Mm-hmm. I can give advice. Don't live my life. Don't walk in my steps. They weren't created for you. They were created for me. Don't let others dictate to you how that's going to turn out. Whatever the plan was, stick with the plan. I understand as men that we're going to make other people mad. <laughs> That's just what we do. We infuriate people. Um, yes, Lord. But it doesn't define who we are. Uh, it doesn't change the fact that we're trying to provide uh, sustenance for a circumstance that may be lean. And we're doing it the best way we can. So, brothers, as you're out there trying to get it together, Understand, you can't do it all at one time and all in one way. And you can look at as many people as you want to. But your story is your story, and your way of getting it accomplished is your way of getting it accomplished. I would be remiss if I didn't say this. Um, As you are a father, understand that you still have a father too. And while you may not be able to see your father, it's always better to seek the kingdom first, to understand what he would have you do. And if you follow those steps, you'll probably turn out better. But because we often fall short, the same thing you're asking your children to do, you've got to do too. And if you're asking your children to forgive you for some of the things that you may have done wrong, you got to ask your father to do the same mm-hmm. thing and accept the fact that you have done some things wrong. None of us are perfect. We are, there's only been one perfect being. Mm-hmm. But what we have to do is perfect what we do. Mm-hmm. I tell people all the time, if you're doing the same thing now that you were doing six months ago. That's insanity. Well, it's certainly not productive. <laughs> <laughs> so look at your plan. Understand what you're trying to do. But understand you may fall short, but that's no reason to not continue to try and always seek the advice of the Supreme being in your life so that you can get a better understanding of how this needs to come. That's all I got. 
Mm. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this week's show. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at FatherShouldPod. You can also visit our website at www.fathershould.org. 